Chapter Two of Craddock Knoll: A Tale of the New Forest, Volume Two, by Richard Doddridge Blackmore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter Two. Mr. Garnet's house, well away to the west, was embraced more closely and lovingly by the gnarled arms of the forest than the hall or even the rectory just in the scoop of a sunny valley high enough to despise the water and low enough to defy the wind there was nothing to concern it much but the sighing of the branches over the brown thatch hung two oak trees whispering leaves of history offering the acorn cup upon the parlour hearth chafing their rheumatic knuckles against the stone of the chimneys wondering when the great storm should come that would give them an inside view of it for though the cottage lay so snugly scarcely lifting its thatched eyebrows at the draught which stole up the valley nevertheless those guardian oaks had wrestled about or two with the tempests in the cyclone of the morning of november twenty ninth eighteen thirty six and again on the seventh of january eighteen forty two they had gripped the ground and set hard their knees and groaned at the thought of salt water since then the wind had been less of a lunatic though there had been some ruffianly work in eighteen fifty four and they hoped there was a good time coming and so spread their branches further and further and thought less of the price of timber there was only one wind that frightened them much and that was two points north of west the very direction whence if they fell crash they must come on the cottage for they stood above it the root head some ten feet above the back floor of the basement and the branches towering high enough for a wood pigeon not to be nervous there now we only get heavy pressure of squalls from the west northwest after a thorough-going tempest which has begun in the southward and means to box half the compass so the two great oaks were regarded by their brethren up the hill as jolly fellows happy dogs born with a silver spoon in their mouths good for another thousand years although they might be five hundred years old unless indeed and here all the trees shuddered there came such another hurricane as in seventeen o three but which of us knows his own brother's condition those two oaks stood and each knew it upon a steep bank where no room was for casting out stay roots to east south east bull garnet hated those two trees with terror added to hatred even if they never crushed him which depended much on the weather they would come in at his bedroom window when the moon was high wandering shapes of wavering shadow with the flickering light between them walking slowly as a ghost does and then very likely a rustle and tap a shivering a shuddering it made the ground floor of his heart shake in the nightmare hours never before had he feared them so much one quarter so much as this october and during the full and the waning moon after clayton Nowell's death he got very little sleep for them by day he worked harder than ever did more than three men ought to do was everywhere on the estates but never swore at any one though the men scratched their ears for the want of it labored hard and early and late if so he might come home at night only not in the dark come home at night thoroughly weary 
his energy was amazing no man anywhere felling wood mr garnet's especial luxury no man hedging and ditching or frithing or stubbing up fern and brambles but had better look out what he had in his bag or the governor would be there and no mistake a workman could scarcely stand and look round and wonder how his sick wife was or why he had to go to work so hard could scarcely slap himself on the breast or wet his hard hands for a better grip but there was bull garnet before him with sad fierce dogged eyes worse than his strongest oaths had been everybody said it was and everybody believed it for the gossip had spread from the household in spite of the maiden's fear of him the cause of it was beyond all doubt the illness of his daughter pearl garnet that very eccentric girl as rufus hutton concluded who had startled poor polly so dreadfully was prostrate now with a nervous fever and would not see even the doctor our amy who pleaded hard to see her because she was sure she could do her good received a stern sharp negative and would have gone away offended only she was so sorry for her not that any fervid friendship such as young ladies exult in for almost a fortnight incessant not that any rapturous love exclusive of all mankind had ever arisen between them for they had nothing whatever in common save beauty and tenacity which girls do not love in each other only that she was always sorry for anyone deep in trouble and believing that pearl had loved clayton nowell and was grieving for him bitterly how could amy help contrasting that misery with her own happiness for amy was nice and happy now in spite of craddock's departure and the trouble he had departed in he loved her almost half as much she believed as she loved him and was not that enough for anybody his troubles would flow by in time who on earth could doubt it unless they doubted god he was gone to make his way in the world and her only fear was lest he should make it too grand for amy to share in she liked the school-children so and the pony and to run out now and then to the kitchen and dip a bit of crust in the dripping-pan and she liked to fill her dear father's pipe and spread a thin handkerchief over his head would all these pleasures be out of her sphere when Craddock came back with all London crowning him the greatest and best man of the age? Innocent Amy, never fear. Nemo nisi ob homicidium repente fuit clarissimus. Mr. Garnet would have felled those oaks, in spite of Sir Craddock's most positive orders, if there had not been another who could not command, but could plead for them every morning as the steward came out frowned and shook his fist at them the being whom he loved most on earth far beyond himself his daughter and the memory of their mother all multiplied into each other that boy bob came up to him and said father don't for my sake we have not heard much of bob garnet yet we have scarcely shaped him feebly by no means was he a negative character yet described most briefly by negatives in every main point except two he was his father's cardinal opposite these two were generosity which combines the love of truth with a certain warmth of impulse and persevering energy even those two were displayed in ways entirely different but the staple was very similar bob garnet 
was a naturalist gentle almost as any girl and more so than his sister he took small pleasures in the ways of men intense delight in those of every other creature bob loved all things god had made even as fair amy did all this day and all his life he would have spent if he had the chance among the ferns and mosses the desmidiae of the forest pools the sundew and the fungi the buff tips and red underwings privet hawks and emperors he knew all the children of the spring and handmaids of the summer all of autumn's laden train and the comforters of winter the happiest of mankind is he whose stores of life are endless whose pure delights can never cloy who sees and feels in every birth in every growth or motion his own almighty father and loving him is loved again as a child who spreads his arms out mr garnet's affection for this boy surpassed the love of women he petted and patted and coaxed him and talked nonsense to him by the hour he was jealous even of bob's attachment to his sister pearl in short all the energy of his goodness which like the rest of his energies transcended the force of other men's centered and spent itself mainly there but of late bob had passed all his time with his mother i mean of course with nature for his mother in the flesh was dead many years ago he had now concluded with perfect contentment that his education was finished and to have the run of the forest at this unwanted season more than consoled him for the disgrace of his recent expulsion from school scarcely any one will believe that bob garnet the best and gentlest boy that ever cried over euripides not from the pathos of the poet certainly but from his own bob garnet who sang to snails to come out and they felt that he could not beat them should have been expelled disgracefully from a private school whose master must needs expel his own guineas with every banished pupil however so it was and the crime was characteristic he would sit at night in the lime trees those lime trees overhung the gray stone wall of the playground near southampton and some wanton boys had been caught up there holding amoy bayings with little nursemaids and girls of all work come out to get lung and tongue food thereupon a stern ukase was issued that the next boy caught up there would be expelled without trial as the corrupter of that pure flock the other boys laughed i am sorry to say when bob the natural as they called him meaning thereby the naturalist was the first to be discovered there crawling upon a branch as cleverly as a looper caterpillar even then the capital sentence was commuted that time for every master knew as well as every boy that bob could never say bo to anything of the feminine gender capable of articulating so bob had to learn the fourth georgic by heart and did most of it with extreme enjoyment up in that very same tree for he kept all his caterpillars there his beetle traps his moth nets even some glorious pupae which were due at the end of august and he nursed a snug little fernery and had sown some mistletoe seeds and a dozen other delicious things and the lime hawks wanted to burrow soon in a word it was bob's hearth and heart place for no other boy could scale it but just when bob had got to the beginning of aristaeus and the late bees were buzzing around him although the linden had buried 
an officious usher spied him out a dirty little fellow known and despised by all the more respectable sapitier of southampton with hottest indignation that mean low beggar cried out boy in the tree there i see you your name this moment you rascal garnet sir bob garnet and if you please sir i am not a rascal come down sir this very instant or else i'll come up after you i don't think you can sir replied bob looking down complacently for as we shall see by and by he was no coward in an emergency if you please sir no boy in the school can climb this tree except me sir since brown senior left i can tell you one thing garnet it's the last time you'll ever climb it oh then i must collect my things i am sorry to keep you waiting sir but they are such beauties and i can't see well to pack them bob packed up his treasures deliberately in his red pocket handkerchief and descended very cleverly holding it with his teeth the next morning he had to pack his box and became in the school a mere legend his father flew into a violent passion not with the son but the schoolmaster however he was so transported with joy at getting his own bob home again that he soon forgave the cause of it so the boy got the run of the potato fields pollard trees and rushy pools and hunted and grubbed and dabbled and came home sometimes with three handkerchiefs not to mention his hat full one lovely day this october before the frost set in a frost of a length and severity most rare at that time of year bob garnet took his basket and trowel nets lens etc and set out for a sandy patch not far from the stream by the rectory where in his july holidays he had found some gladiolus illyricus a bloom of which he had carried home and now he wanted some roots of it he could not think why his father left him so very much to himself now and had ceased from those little caresses and fondlings which used to make bob look quite ashamed sometimes in the presence of strangers he felt that his father loved him quite as much as ever and he had found those strong eyes set upon him with an expression as it appeared to him of sorrow and compassion he had a great mind to ask what the matter was but his love for his father was a strange feeling mixed with some dread and uncertainty he would make pearl tell him all about it that would be the best way for she as well had been carrying on very oddly of late she sat in her own room all day long and would never come down to dinner and would never come out for a stroll with him but slipped out by herself sometimes in the evening that at least he was sure of and to tell him indeed him going on now for seventeen years of age that he was too young to ask questions he would let her know he was quite resolved that because she happened to be two years older a pretty reason that was for treating him like a baby she who didn't know a wireworm from a ringworm nor an elater from a tipula and thought that the tippet moth was a moth that fed upon tippets recalling fifty other instances of poor pearl's deep ignorance bob grew more and more indignant as he thought of the way she treated him he would stand it no longer if she was in trouble that was only the greater reason hello helter skelter off dashed bob after a queen of spain fritillary the first he had ever seen on the wing and a grand prize for any collector even of ten times his standing 
it was one of the second brood invited by the son to sport a while and rare sport it afforded bob who knew it at once from the other fritillaries for the shape of the wings is quite different and he had seen it in grand collections an active little chap it was greatly preferring life to death and thoroughly aware that man is the latter's chief agent once bob made quite sure of it for it had settled on a blackberry spray and smack the net came down upon it but a smack too hard for the thorns came grinning out at the bottom and away went the butterfly laughing bob made good the net in a moment with some very fine pins that he carried and off again in still hotter pursuit having kept his eyes on dear lethonia but the prey was now grown wondrous skeery since that narrow shave and the huntsman saw that his only chance was a clever swoop in mid-air so he raised his net high and zigzagged recklessly round the trees through the bushes up the banks and down them at last he got quite close to her but she flipped round a great beech trunk bob made a cast at hazard and caught not the queen but amy amy was not frightened much neither was she hurt though her pretty round head came out through the net for she had taken her hat off and the ring lay upon her shoulders which the rich hair had shielded from bruises she would have been frightened terribly only she knew what was going on and had stepped behind the tree to avoid the appearance of interfering for she did not wish she knew not why but by some instinct she did not wish to have much to do with the garnets she regarded poor bob as a schoolboy who was very fond of insects and showed his love by killing them but if amy was not frightened much bob the captor was he dropped the handle of his net and fell back against the beech tree then amy laughed and took off the net or the relics of the gauze at least and kindly held out her hand to him and said oh how you are grown and so are you oh dear me have you seen her have you seen her seen whom asked amy my aunt eudoxia she is on there by the ash tree the queen of spain miss rosedew the queen of spain fritillary oh tell me which way she went if i lose her i am done for then i fear master garnet confound it thought bob how all the girls do patronize me i am very much afraid that you must make up your mind to annihilation if by the queen of spain you mean that common brown little butterfly you wanted just now to kill so much is she gone across the river then that is nothing i assure you i would go through fire after her oh tell me only tell me amy could not help laughing poor bob looked so ridiculous fitting a new net all the time upon the ring of the old one the crown of his hat come to look for his head his trousers kicked well up over his boots and his coat an undoubted ventilator i really don't know said amy how could you expect me to see through your shrimp net master garnet oh i beg your pardon how stupid i am to be sure i beg your pardon a thousand times really i might have hurt you i would not do that for even the queen of spain to tell you the truth master garnet if i knew where she was gone i would not tell you because i can't bear to have things killed in my opinion it is so cruel oh cried bob a very long oh drawn out into half an l and he looked at amy all the time he was saying it which was a wonderful thing for him to do then it occurred to his mind for the first time possibly 
what a beautiful creature she was more softly shaded than a chalk hill blue and richer than a cream spotted tiger moth the moment he felt this bob was done for amy had caught her captor flushed as he was with the long hot chase his cheeks grew hotter and redder as he got a dim consciousness of a few of the things which he was feeling he was like a chrysalis touched in the winter when it goes on one side from the crust of the thorax and sometimes can never get right again after having said oh with emphasis and so much diuresis bob did not feel called upon for any further utterance till amy was gone to her aunt eudoxia and then he contrived to say ah he was more put out than he had been even when his pet poplar hawk caterpillar was devoured alive by ichneumon grubs he went round the tree ever so many times and wondered what was the matter with him how he came there and what he was doing alas poor bob nature who overlooks nothing was well aware of the difficulties when she cried jump up on my lap bob and never be weaned from me she knew that things of all sorts would come between herself and her child some of them drawn from her own mother milk but most of them from man's muzzling of the latter she had not much fear with bob but the former she knew were beyond her and she had none but herself to thank for them she knew that the lad so strongly imbued with her own pleasant affluences was almost sure to be touched with that one which comes from her breast the warmest and then what would become of zoology phytology entomology and all the other yard-long names which her children spin out of her apron strings while bob was still fiddling with his fingers and forgetting all about butterflies miss eudoxia fetched by amy came to hold discourse with him why master robert i do declare robert my butterfly boy i have not seen you for such a time robert and she held out her hand which bob took with very little sense of gratitude to be called a butterfly boy before amy and amy to acquiesce in it ah you think i have nothing for you robert you schoolboys live upon suction but just wait a moment my dear she drew forth an old horn comfort box which had belonged to her grandmother and was polished up like amber from the chafing of many a lining this she opened with much ado poured three crinkled sugar plums on her gloved palm and a smooth one as large as a hazelnut and offered them all to robert with a smile of the finest patronage no thank you miss rosedew no thank you i am very much obliged to you miss eudoxia had been wondering at her own generosity and thought that he was overcome with it so her smile became one of encouragement and assurance against self-sacrifice oh you need not be afraid robert you can put some under your pillow and wake up in the night and suck them how nice that will be to be sure you see i know what boys are and i have plenty left for the infant school and they don't deserve them as you do robin miss rosedew said bob in his loftiest manner though he was longing for them only that amy was there you will believe me when i assure you that i never touch sweets of any sort not even at a late dinner party miss eudoxia turned her eyes up and almost dropped the sugar-plums but amy instead of being impressed merrily laughed and said give them to me then auntie please 
some of the men at the night school eat sweets after early suppers bob said good-bye disconsolately for he knew that he had affronted miss doxy without rising in amy's opinion he forgot all about the gladiolus and let many great prizes escape him for the day was the last of the soft and sunny which tempt forth the forest denizens ere the frosty seal is set on them in the glimpses of every brown arcade in the jumbled gleam of the underwood in the alleys between the upstanding trees even in the strong light where the golden patches shone and the wood fell back to look at them in all of these he seemed to see and then to lose his angel her face he could not see clearly yet hard as he strove to do it affection is but love is not a photographic power still he could see her shadowly her attitude the fall of her hair the manner of her gestures even the ring of her voice would seem to dwell about the image but he never got them all together one each time was the leading thing vague and yet it went through him he made one attempt for he feared from the first although he never could feel it so that his love was a thorough wild goose chase the poor boy made one last attempt to catch at some other pursuit father he said that very same night after sitting for hours of wandering will you give me a gun and let me take to shooting a gun cried bull garnet starting a gun bob what do you mean by it i meant nothing at all father only i know the way to stuff birds and there are some rare ones here sometimes and i want to make a collection bob garnet as long as i am alive you never shall own a gun then will you lend me yours father i know very well how to use it i mean your patent never bob my son if you love me never speak of it again End of chapter 2